0: Listen, Mike Golick Sr. is a Hall of Famer. He is a Mount Rushmore of Sports Talk radio member. He is one of the greatest voices in the history of this medium. He is a terrific guy. We had the opportunity to go to Bristol last summer. We hung on Golick and Wingo. We interviewed Golick and Wingo and Golick Jr., who was there. I don't think I have to give you Mike Golick Sr.'s resume. This is his last week on... What is now Golick and Wingo, of course, what for many years was Mike and Mike. We are going to miss Mike Golick Sr. on the radio. He's still going to do some things for ESPN, but they're making some changes in terms of programming, as Golick Jr. is going to discuss with us here shortly. And that's where our conversation began. The legacy of his father, the impact he had on sports talk radio, including here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. So I had a chance to catch up with Mike Gullick Jr. Let's take a listen to that now. Mike, we could do an entire interview about your father, the influence he had on sports radio, the name brand that he has there at the company and and throughout sports. But if you really had to pare it down, what, what kind of influence did he have on the business that you and I are in?
1: I mean, I think he set the standard, right? A national morning drive show wasn't something that's ever really had long-term success the way that he has in that slot. And he did it by, by treating people the right way and being himself. That was the number one bit of advice my dad gave me is be yourself because in this medium, if you're not, you'll get exposed and neither of us are smart enough to be anybody else in all of that. But I always looked around and, I mean, growing up idolizing him the way I did, why would you want to be anyone else other than him? If push came to shove, and that was how he lived every day. And seeing the outpouring from people, the the notes and the support that he's gotten, you realize, man, what an what an impact just going about it the way that he did can have on others without even trying without that being the goal so i i always appreciated that about him and i know uh, it appears a lot of other people did too which is cool to see as something to call him dad
0: no question about it a hall of famer as a person as a broadcaster and everything in between and i think about it now Mike. it you look around there's just athletes all over the media and all forms of it especially with all the different you know, formats we have these days but Your dad was right at kind of the forefront of athletes making that transition in sports radio. There were certainly athletes doing color commentary on television and other places, but he was one of the first to really bridge that gap and and get an athlete out there nationally on radio and and make that transition.
1: Yeah, and to do it as a guy who wasn't walking in with a gold jacket, right? Like, that was the other part is Hall of Famers, those guys that had been in the league like that, not a guy who was a great you know, backup defensive lineman, got to start a little bit, a nine-year player. But as he always called it, he was the one doing the sort of yeoman's work, the foot soldier in this situation. And so because of that, I think he brought a different perspective to it and he brought that same work ethic to it. And so it showed other guys that came from a similar situation that you don't necessarily have to have had a Hall of Fame career as a player to come in, work hard, and be able to contribute a lot to this space.
0: Michael, Jr., ESPN Radio, joining us here on the block, ESPN Radio, Syracuse. And, Mike, I've been in this situation, as you have, but I'm curious how you've approached it. It's weird that we have sports back. That sounds weird to say in a way, but we've been doing radio for the past, what, three, four months, basically saying, hey, when are those sports coming back? So now that sports are coming back, how do you kind of mesh the two worlds of looking forward to it, trying to get it back, and actually having sports to react to now?
1: Yeah, I think it's kind of the balance that we've had going up to this because there were times during the last three months, and I know you know this, Like, you look up every day and you're going through everyone's plans in response to this, and the various you know battles that are going on for finances, for people's collective bargaining agreements, and after a while you caught yourself just getting bogged down by all that. We realized, man, we still need to have some segments where we're ranking stuff, we're ranking quarterbacks, we're talking about MVP candidates and getting back to normal, and Now we get to respond to something new. It's kind of like the draft where just having something we couldn't predict to respond to and being able to mix that in with all the other things that we know is still our responsibility to make sure people know and get informed on when they come to see us, but now we have that live read and react situation that just, I don't know, it makes it more fun. It's like calling a game. You're not sure what's going to happen and so your response tends to be a little more genuine.
0: It's funny how even when you know, you're know you in that day-to-day sports and, and reacting and doing what we do but you, you do a top 10 list of sports movies or something that kind of off the grid a little bit and that will be the thing people remember and react to so i wonder how much of that will carry over into this new world the other thing i'm curious about mike and to get your perspective on it and maybe how you plan on doing it with shanae is you know with so many athletes standing out be it protesting social issues things that certainly are weaved into sports you can't avoid it the stick to sports thing is it's just dead at this point to be frank but there's a balance there because there are sports fans that want sports so How do you plan to kind of balance out when athletes are speaking out about these issues as they're certainly going to be doing over the next few months, but trying to appease the crowd that maybe is not a fan of that?
1: Yeah, you know what, I think the, the thing that people forget is, like, even all of us, some of the people who speak so well and probably much better than I even do on any of the social issues surrounding sports are all sports fans at their core. Like, we all want to talk about sports, too, but the difference is, and I think the balance that Janae and I especially look forward to bringing in all this is we are also athletes, in her case current, in my case former, that have a desire to talk about these things and want it to be a space for other athletes to feel like they can discuss it. Sports should be what the athletes that play that sports also want it to be in addition to the fans. And so I think we've got a good dose of that for someone that in my seat now is gets to be a lot more of a fan than I ever have been before. And today, who is still a current athlete, but both of us being able to draw on that experience of, all right, we know what it's like to not feel like you're being heard or want to feel heard more. You know, today coming at this, being a black woman, being a group that's had to fight so hard, things every step of the way, I think just brings an interesting dynamic for people that still at our core are sports fans and want to get out there and talk about breakdown ball in all its forms.
0: And Mike, last thing for you, boy, you know, I know that as we sit here in late July, there's a lot of unanswered questions about college football in particular. I think the NFL will find a way. There's just too much money, too many resources, the the difference between professionals and colleges that they're going to play, maybe not a full season, but most of their season. College football just seems to be, there's a lot of balls up in the air, nobody can figure out where they're going to land, but... As somebody who played college football and the perspective that you have, thinking about those athletes that are trying to prepare for a season right now, what's your best read on what this college football season could be?
1: Uh, It could be very short, and I'm hoping very short because they delayed the start of it. They give themselves as much time as they can to get this right. Because, like you said, the NFL has proven in the past. You go back to 1982, that strike short season, there was a nine-week break in the middle of the season when the players struck where there was no football, there were no scabs, there were no replacements, and they were able to come back nine weeks later and finish out a season that had nine regular season games to it and still get along just fine. The NFL has the time, resources, and the Players Association that can make that possible. College has university presidents that you have to deal with in all of this, and those people making decisions on behalf of the campus are going to err on the side of caution because they have – They have kids that are in their charge, and they have parents in a society that's pretty litigious. So all of that combination means you're probably only going to have one shot to get this right, and so you better give yourself that absolute best opportunity you can.
0: Mike, great to catch up. Best of luck with the new show. Give your dad and Trey our best, and we'll definitely catch up down the road, my friend.
1: Absolutely. We'll do. Thanks for having me. But let's bring him in. Let's do it.
0: It's been a while since we had him on the show. We've been on vacation. He's had some time off, but back in the thick of it, back on the airwaves of WFAN. You can occasionally see him on SNY. The news. You should follow him on Twitter. He's a Syracuse grad. It is always a pleasure to welcome the one and
2: only, I John
0: Dastrzemski. JJ, on the block, ESPN Radio. What's up, buddy?
2: Actually, I appreciate the grand introduction, and my goodness, I, uh, I'm being reintroduced to the world because I've been sitting in traffic for about two, two and a half hours <laughs> driving out east
0: of That's one of those things that sucks about vacation and going and away oh You going to certain places. It's, it's work just to get there and back but uh, hopefully worth it. Hope you're rested, recharged, and ready to go here because the Yankees, the Mets, the Jets, we've got a lot to get into and JJ, look, the Yankees are right in the thick of this thing. It's not just the Marlins. This affects other teams. As we're seeing here, the Yankees supposed to go to Philly, play the Phillies after the Marlins were there. How's this all going to work out here?
2: Well, Axe, that to me is the big bummer about the news to come out here on Sunday and then on Monday. I was so fired up to watch baseball again. I felt like a kid in a candy store, getting on the air. I had all this news to react to like, as fired up as I've ever been, and yet you realize how just fragile a situation this is with outbreaks and now the collateral damage of the f- being involved. The Yankees playing the Phillies. There's no baseball that's going to be played between those two teams later on tonight. So, look, I'm like everybody else. I want baseball. I want sports. My life is better off when these games are going on. But it's really a day-by-day situation. So, you know, I hope we don't look back at this past weekend and say, wow, it was just a giant tease for two or three weeks. I really hope baseball can find a way to pull it off. But, Serious obstacles, no question. Well, it
0: pains me as a Red Sox fan to say it, but especially you and and all the Yankee fans out there, because they look pretty good, JJ. I think we knew that coming in, and here early on, just a few games in the books, those Yankees can mash it, and I think they've got to be considered the favorite to take home a short season World Series, nonetheless, a World Series.
2: Yeah, listen, I put them right there with the Los Angeles Dodgers, and it's funny, Axe. Narratives kind of shifted. Pretty quickly for the Yankees and the Mets on Saturday and Sunday, and I'm sure we'll get to the Mets in a minute. But for six innings, I mean, I'm watching the Yankees get completely shut down by the Central New York native Patrick Corbin. I wasn't in the best of spirits. I'm like, geez, uh, welcome back to getting ticked off and angry about a sporting event once again. But then Gleyber Torres and Luke Voigt go back to back. Gleyber Torres with the big hit in the eighth inning. The Yankees get a break with some bad national base running. And, wow, they win two out of three games. And even without Aroldis Chapman, even without Masahiro Tanaka, even with D.J. LeMayu solely but surely coming back from his bout with COVID, this team is loaded. They're loaded every which way. The Astros are weaker because you take Garrett Cole off of their team. You now put him on the Yankees. Thoroughly ended dealing with an injury with the Astros. I think the Rays are spunky and they're pesky, and they'll be a pain in the neck if you play them. But, yes, short season or no short season. The favorites hands down in the American League and the New York Yankees, and I think it will be – COVID aside, a pretty big disappointment if they're not playing in the World Series. I think
0: we're at that point. That's just the kind of roster they had. I would have felt that way had they started April 1st like they were supposed to. And what you've really got to be encouraged by the most as a Yankee fan, I don't want to assume anything, but I, it's got to be at the top of the list, is you get a healthy Giancarlo Stanton, and he is just absolutely killing it. He's leading that team in pretty much every offensive category that matters out of the shoot here
2: with the injuries he had last year, we basically missed the entire season. I don't know if you guys and gals noticed this, if you watch the Yankees at all weekend. He looked a lot trimmer. I mean, his body type, like, don't get me wrong, he's still jacked, he's still a big dude. but He looked a lot trimmer, so I'm hoping, you know, from a baseball body sense, from a flexibility think the best thing the Yankees can do—don't even think about putting them on out the outfield. Let them be aged, keep them there, let them do his thing, and just let John Crowe, Stanton stand warrior, stand on the field and tear the cover off
0: the baseball. JJ, before we get to the Mets specifically on baseball, there's—you know—the COVID thing is going to take over the conversation. But here we have expanded playoffs. We've got a runner on second to start extra innings. We've got cardboard cutouts in the stands. It's just. A strange adjustment to the game So I'll throw all that out to you Cardboard cutouts Runner on second Expanded playoffs The DH in both leagues Just all these Grand experiments baseball seems to be doing here Are you in favor of these? Are there some you like, some you don't like? How, how do you kind of see what baseball is trying to do with the sport?
2: Um, It's a mixed bag Like, I've been screaming about the universal DH for years So In that regard, Axe, I'm pretty happy about that. The expanded playoff, I totally get why they're doing it. It's all about revenue. I mean, if you're not going to have fans in the stands, you have those additional television contracts. Take a rocket scientist to figure this out. You're going to pump a lot more money in the sport. I don't love a best-of-three. I don't love eight teams in the playoffs. But for this year, I totally get it. And you also know, once you go down this rabbit hole, odds are you're not turning back because there's just too much money at stake. Here's the one change I have to admit: I was dead set against. I thought it was the dumbest idea known to man. But then I watched the game Friday night with the A's and the Angels, and. I got to admit, I kind of like the extra inning rule. I'm you know with you. Crazy? I'm with you. I the idea. I said this is dumb. I don't get it. I like the long games. But so much strategy. And there's so much thinking now that goes into starting off these extra innings. To hell with it. Let's have some fun in the 60
0: games. JJ. I'm cool with it. I am so with you for a number of reasons. Number one, there's a number of sports that have kind of, you know, you know messed with overtime or extra sessions in a sense of, let's just hurry this thing along. Hockey goes four on four. The NFL has changed its kickoff rule. You know, the the limited amount of time on the clock in other sports. For baseball to be sanctimonious and say, we must play the game the way it should be. First of all, when you look at how many games actually go to extra innings, the length of the game, keeping current viewers, adding new viewers, everything in between, it's fine. It's You had nine innings to do this. If we change the rules a little bit, and you just said it, it adds strategy, excitement, and juice to the game. I'm all for that rule, and I'm with you. I didn't think I'd like it, but there's a difference between being stubborn and being somebody who is open-minded to change, and in this case, it's a change baseball should embrace. I totally agree, and
2: it's not like you're ending the game with, like, run derby between two guys and they have like 10 swings to knock it out of the park, there is an element of baseball that's in play. Now, do I want to see it go that way Ax, in the postseason? No. And nor will it. But I think in the regular season, it's something that I think spices up these games a little bit. It's fun. Are you going to bunt the runner over and play for run-run in the top half of the inning? Um, do you pinch run? Do you, how do you handle it? Like, this is stuff that, you know, it's not just rolling out the same three guys and seeing how long a game plays out. There is a thinking person's element to all of this. So, I, I thought I
0: John Jastramski WFAN in New York, our guest, Syracuse grad, and one of our favorite people to talk sports with. And Judging by my Twitter feed, JJ, uh, all is back to normal for the New York Mets, it seems.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, the Mets were one out and one strike away from actually having themselves a really good weekend. You would have had two good starts from the ground in Mets. You had Cespedes with the homer on Friday. Like, All of that was working in a positive direction until Edwin Diaz, with two outs and two strikes in the ninth inning, gave up a game tying home run to Marcelo Osuna. Then all of a sudden, the Mets lose the extra innings. Diaz is still the closer, giving up home runs. Rick Porcello gets absolutely shellacked on Sunday Night Baseball for everybody to see. And all of those good feelings go by the boards. Look, Ax, the Mets lineup will score runs. I think the Mets bullpen will be be better than what it was a year ago. Can't be any worse. But I have serious concerns. After you get outside of Jacob deGrom, and I guess to a lesser extent with Stephen Matz, that rotation is questionable. Now they're playing your Red Sox, who might as well be starting me and you over the next two games. I mean that Red Sox is in space. If the men Offensively, cannot get right against Boston. They cannot have a good year against Boston. So it's going to be what first of the season. That to me is going to be a legitimate cause for concern.
0: JJ, we had a, a big NFL trade this weekend and it involved the Jets. And it's one of those classic kind of good news, bad news things. The good news is, I think the Jets made a great trade in the circumstances. The bad news is the circumstances. You can't keep any star players on that team. What would you think of how everything went down with Jamal Adams to Seattle, what they got back, and the fact that the Jets had to do this again?
2: Look, in a perfect world, the Jets would have kept Jamal Adams. He's a terrific player. But it got to a point, Axe, the way he handled this contractual situation when Joe Douglas, who's been here for now less than a year, I think had no choice. I mean, when you got the safety basically calling out the owner of the GM, the head coach of the team, he's demanding a trade on Instagram and Twitter, he clearly made it known to anybody who was willing to listen, he did not want to be here. I don't know what you're supposed to do that if you're the Jets. And I think considering the circumstances, Jamal Adams is basically playing his cards for the world to see. For them to get two ones, a three, and a plug-and-play safety, I think that's as good a job as Douglas could have possibly have done. Now, are the Jets a better team in 2020 because of this? No. Um, do I think they're going to finish in fourth place this year? Probably. But... Jamal Adams didn't want to be here. So if you don't want to be here, you got to find a way to maximize that return. To their credit, I would say that they did.
0: JJ, it's great to hear your voice. It's great to catch up. It's great to be talking actual sports here. Let's hope that continues. We know there's going to be more interruptions, but hopefully not a complete shutdown of baseball. And you enjoy uh, the summertime here. I know we'll catch up again soon, but thanks for the time as always, my friend.
2: It's all mine. I miss everybody up in Central New York. All the best. So uh, we'll do it again soon.